Well, hello, good morning, and you are very welcome along to this uh, gardening show this morning. It's Vivian for Deirdre, and of course, Porrick is on site with us. Lots of plants around the table. Porrick, good morning. Good morning, Viv. Good morning, listeners. What a beautiful morning. I'm delighted to hear that weather forecast. Southerly breezes. That's that's a dream because the the warm southerly breezes really will start the growth off. We're going to see very, very strong growth this weekend. And then the perfect start to a, a really good spring and perfect start to Easter, of course. Lots of the kids are off this weekend, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they are. It's start of, uh, I think it's about a 10 or 11 day holiday break. Mm. But look, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to actually reconnecting with yourself today. And of course, we're live on Facebook there. Uh, so if anybody is uh, interested in joining us live, see the plan, see the studio. Uh, you can do it very, very simply by just logging on to Horkins Garden Centre. Facebook uh, page. Facebook page. And uh, we're just live there. You can just like us, us there and, and you, you get notification of the, of the video. And I brought lots of colour in this morning, Viv, because... There's kind of a point, a tipping point as we come into the end of March, early April, when spring is really coming forward. Lots of the spring flowering plants. And you can see them even on the drive up this morning. The berbers are full of colour. Cherries are in full flower. Pear trees are flowering very heavily. And and we're also being introduced to a lot of the summer flowering plants. So I brought a selection of spring and summer flowering plants. Plants that are going to give us a lot of colour right through Easter and right many of the plants although they're flowering now, will continue to flower through summer and up till autumn. So it's a great time for adding instant colour in the garden. If you want to kind of do up a few pots for Easter or you just want to add a bit of colour, this is the time of year to do that. OK, and we're going to go through those plants in a second. Now, there's jobs you want to talk about in the garden this weekend as well. But first of all, just for the listeners out there, 87 941 with our Caraboyle text line if you'd like to make contact with us. And Teresa's taken your calls too on 0818-3055. So let's have a little brief overview of what people should be doing this weekend. Well, I know for, you know, a lot of listeners even haven't cut the grass at the moment. So if you haven't, start with the lawn, Viv, because everybody's got some size of lawn. Get out there, get it mowed, get it trimmed. You will notice a lot of moss around at the moment. And this year, particularly with the mild winter, we've seen a huge growth of moss. So if that's a problem, get the zero on this weekend. It's perfect weather. Zero is a liquid. It's easy to use. It's specifically for controlling moss in your lawn. So you simply mix it up in a washing can or a sprayer. Once you've cut the grass, so cut the grass first of all, mix up the zero then in, in your sprayer or washing can and put it over the entire lawn area because not only does it kill the moss, it actually helps to green up the lawn as well. It gives really, it a lovely I was going green to ask colour. you about that because I know I've, I've heard you talking about this zero and it seems to be a very good product. Uh, and you know with the sulphate of iron in the old days, mm. you get the black moss and you all that. Do you have that scenario with this stuff? Well, the trouble with sulphate of iron, it's caustic. It burns. It's like salt. So it tends to burn the grass. It tends to burn the weeds, but it also burns burns the moss. Uh-huh. What you find with the zero, because it's a liquid, it doesn't discolour the lawn, nor the the uh, weed, the weeds, the lawn weeds, but it will kill the moss. So the moss will go a brownish colour overnight. It literally works within a 24-hour uh, period. So if you put it on this morning, the moss will be dead this time tomorrow. Um, my advice really is once you've applied it, Put on a fertiliser, so something like Osmo uh, Lawn Feed, Park and Fairway or the Osmo Lawn Feeds are very good. They feed the grass without forcing growth. So you put the zero on first, that kills the moss, gives the lawn a little bit of rich green colour. Do you have to rake it? Only if it's very heavy. If there's very heavy patches, then I would advise raking and after raking, put down a little bit of lawn seed. And again, with the temperatures you talked about, 15 to 18 degrees, grass seed will germinate germinate within about a 10-day period oh, yeah. at this time of year. So really good time of year for repairing lawns if you've got any spots in the in the area that are damaged. If you've got some moss and you've killed the moss and you're raking that out, then certainly put in some lawn seed as well. Uh, but the key steps really are control the moss, 
put on the lawn feed now, put on the Osmo feed because the grass is starting to grow. It'll give it a lovely rich green colour. And if you think about putting in a new lawn or repairing old damaged patches in the lawn, this is the weekend to do that. Get on your little bit of green velvet seed, mix it with some compost or moss peat first of all and just brush it into the area and it'll germinate in a 7 to 10, ten day period. See that container you have there, yeah. what is it, 5 litres that container? It's 5 litres in the zero, yeah. And will that do a lot? That will cover 2,000 square yards. So it covers a very, very large oh. area. You generally won't so use it. So if you have a big garden, more. that's your baby. Absolutely. But oh. the thing I like about it is if you put it on today, the moss will die tomorrow. If you've missed a spot, it'll be very evident. Oh. Because with your sprayer, it's very easy to miss a, a corner or a, or a little spot. You can go back the following day and retweet Tweet. You can retreat tweet it. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> retreat treat the area and that'll just keep control of the moss. So this is really the weekend to get out, get your lawn back in good condition. I have a little video actually up on the Facebook page on the Hawkins Garden Centre yeah. page. I created a little video showing how to use zero. I actually did it on my own lawn so people can see me actually using the product, how to mix it, how to apply it and the, the results you'll get from it. So that's up on the Facebook page as well. So, And if you're in any of the stores, we've got a fact sheet on it as well. Okay, lovely. So that's the first job I would do. The second thing, Viv, really at this weekend is, is adding a bit of colour because pots and containers, it's nice to add a bit of colour coming up to Easter or if you have confirmation coming up or communion coming up or any special event, this is the weekend to add some colour and there's lots of great plants that are just on the point of flowering now. So I've brought a few into studio one of my favourites is, is this blue one, this navy blue one called Cineraria or Cinetii. It's a really nice plant. It's I'll an eye catcher all right, isn't it? Definitely an eye catcher. It comes in a whole range of different colours, just on the point of flowering now, but it continues to flower right through the summer. And that plant will double its size. So it's about, a, I suppose, a foot in diameter at the moment. But over the summer period, it will double its size. It's perfect in a patio pot or container. It's fully hardy out of doors. So you can plant it out of doors now. And again, you get those daisy-like flowers right through to the end of the summer. This particular variety has very, very dark navy blue colour, very bordering on purple, I suppose. Mm, but it comes in shades of pinks. It comes in shades of bicolours. Um, and really great plant and one of my favourites. Does, does that die away now or can we have it next year as well? Well, it, it really, I would treat it as, as an, an annual plant and yeah. it die at the end of the year and replace it. If you want, you could bring it inside like a geranium, cut it back and keep it from year to year. But to be honest, you get so much value out of it in year yeah. one. Just let it die at the end of the year. Start off a new plant. Um, they're really good. That's a plant called Sinetii. Really nice plant. Okay, just move it down into your basket there because we can move in them whatever. That's it now. We can clear that out of the way. That's a Sinetia. That's a That's it in the, in the yeah. purple form. It's kind oh, of a barney purple. Really nice as well. Look at the amount of flower I, buds that are coming say out. That to you. God almighty, look at that. It's a really great plant for so containers, pots. Yeah, really nice plant. So that's one called Sinetii. This is the time of year to look for it. Um, really simple to grow. Another favourite of mine, and this really adds a real splash of colour. This is a plant called Uriops. Difficult name to remember, but you'll know it in, the, in your local garden centre because it's a bright butter yellow. Really striking plant, lovely spring flowering plant, but it flowers continually right through from spring till early autumn. So it's going to flower early winter, really. It'll flower up until October. And again, it's a plant that will double or treble its size over the summer period. So as it produces new growth, it produces new flower buds and new flowers right through the summer. Easy to feed? It's actually a plant, Viv, that does very well in containers because it doesn't require a lot of feeding or watering. It's one of those really no-nonsense, easy-to-grow plants, loves a dry, gravelly-type soil, but it does very well in a pot as well. So it's one called Uriops, and I think the flower contrasts beautifully with the Sinetii, the bright yellow of the Uriops against the dark purple-blue of the, of the Sinetii. The two of them plant together 
are really, really good. And look at hundreds all those buds. and hundreds of buds My are going God. to come on that plant. It's a re- that's a real value for money plant for me, Uriops. It's an easy one. Um, it comes back year after year, particularly if you have it in a kind of a sunny, free-draining soil. Um, really good one. Great to add colour. For some of our older listeners, they'll know this plant by the name Granny's Bonnet. Huh? Granny's Bonnet. Granny's Bonnet. Bonnet, yeah. Um, it's the Aquilegia. It's an old cottage garden plant, like a lupin, like the delphiniums. Uh, a favourite with, with our grandmothers and our mothers will, will know this plant. And a lovely cottage garden plant. It's a perennial, which means it comes back year after year. Yeah. Again, it's just in flower at the moment. Again, will flower right through Easter up until our early summer. Comes in shades of pinks and purples, some bicolours as well. Yeah. But a really old cottage garden plant. This is a dwarf version of it. It only grows about... a I suppose a foot or 15 inches in, in height and it's called spring magic so it's a lovely small plant if you want something say for a border to edge a bed to add a bit of colour just now that will come back year after year the Aquilegia or Granny's Bonnet is a, a really firm favourite and it's is, just in flower now so it's a lovely plant for Easter Is there a non-dwarf uh, variety? There are tw- taller varieties Could as well Could you actually train it up the side of the up a, No, it's not a climbing plant right, it, it's okay. really it's it's like a, a lupin vave or like a small uh, herbaceous or, or flowering border plant the dwarf ones are only about a foot to 15 inches the taller normal versions are up to about 3 feet yeah. so again if you want a bit of height yes you can go for the taller ones but the short ones I thought were really nice they're very dainty and perfect in potter container, but also brilliant in your border soil as well. So would you plant them in threes and fives? or how, how, Threes, a group of three would look really well together, three of the same colour, it'll form a nice big... So if you want to, say, fill a few gaps in shrub borders or beds, yeah. or just add a bit of colour, look for Aquilegia, and particularly for listeners that kind of hanker back to uh, the olden days, the Aquilegia or Granny's Bonnet. If you ask your grandmother about that plant, she'll know it. So she'll the remember granny, it. The Granny's Bonnet. Granny's Bonnet like or, or Aquilegia, really nice plant. Again, thinking of summer colour, I brought a couple of um, again, firm favourites that flower for a long period. One is the old Pelargonium. Again, it's the old Geranium, which again is just starting to flower now. Um, lovely plant, easy to grow. Lovely colour, lovely colour flowers. Really lovely purple C- can shade. Can you get different colours of Whites, pinks, yeah. uh, reds, a whole range of different colours. Again, they're just starting now. How big, Oster- will, that, how big will that one grow? It's quite small, Viv. It's a typical geranium size, so I suppose a foot to 15 inches. It'll double or treble its size. It's yeah. a Pelargonium or the old-fashioned geranium. I think they're actually nicer than the traditional geranium. They have a lovely, really rich colour, very vibrant colour. But again, a great plant to plant now for Easter colour and, and for that splash of colour. And the other one here in front, that's just another one. Similar. This is Osteospernum, the the, um, the uh, Cape Daisy, which again is a great plant for longevity of flower. I mean, it literally flowers. You, again, look at the look at hundreds of buds on the plant. Um, I'll show it it's up just the camera there. Pure, but yeah. There you go. So you look at the amount of flower buds on it. Really easy plant, great colour, Osteospernums, and um, just starting to flower now. And again, a great in pots and containers. Again, a no-nonsense plant, one that requires free-draining soil, so they don't need copious amounts of water or feeding. Yeah. If anything that will can harm the plants if you're overfeeding them. So osteosperms are kind of a nice one to put in a pot and container on a sunny patio or in a border along a sunny patio. And again, they'll flower for such a long period. They often flower right again up till autumn, winter, and indeed they sometimes have flowers through the winter period as well. Now here's one for you. This is one I actually planted on a grave, believe it or not, last year. This is a plant called Gazinia. Gazinia. And it's just starting to flower. See the lovely shade? It's kind of an apricot orange flower. Big, big flower, four or five inches in diameter. Gazinia. Gazinia. Now, the reason I planted it on the grave was that this plant likes neglect. 
So it's one of those plants. We're often asked, well, I want something for a grave that's easy. I'm not there every day or every week or whatever. I want something that's going to be easy, that'll flower for the summer. Look for this plant. It's a plant called Gazinia. It's a daisy, big, big daisy, orange flower. Again, if people are joining us on Facebook Live, you'll see it. I'm holding it up to camera at the moment. Um, but it literally flowers, Viv, from now to right through till October, November even, right through the summer. It's only about four inches in height, yeah. as you can see. Very dark green leaves and the bright apricot orange flower then starts in April and continues right through till October. It forms kind of a ground cover, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it, it spreads across the ground. So if you had five or six or eight of those planted, it would nearly form a mat yeah. or an area. Or if you had a little border, say, to plant, it would fill that border yeah. over the summer. So it stays very low and very compact. Yeah. Feel the leaf. The leaf is rubbery. It's yeah. kind of quite quite robust. a tough, te- yes. very robust. robust That's the, the word. word for it. So this, again, is a really hardy, great seaside plant, great plant for Balmullet, Ackle, Mulrani, those sort of areas where you get a lot of wind, um, great on a rockery or a border. But I planted on the graves, on some graves last year because of just, it's such an easy plant, no... Uh, no care required. You plant it, you let it off and it forms that mat or ground cover. So look for that. That's a plant called Gazinia. Easy to grow, great time to plant it and again, it's just on the point of flowering and it will stay in flower right through to October. Look at all the buds. Look at them all coming here. Amazing. All just ready to flower. And this sort of weather is just going to bring that plant on so well. Now, Two of my favourite shrubs yeah. at the moment. The big one and the small one. I brought, and they're, they're both in the same family um, and this is a plant called Pieris Forest Flame. Many listeners will have it in their garden at the moment. They're absolutely beautiful at the moment because all the young growth has started to grow. You get that lovely peachy red colour. This one is actually in flower as well. You can see the nice white bell-shaped flowers. It's an evergreen shrub, easy to grow, perfect in a pot and container, but you can also plant it out into border soil. Somebody was asking them this morning about it and it grows to about four to five feet in height, oh. similar in diameter. You can keep prune it to keep it smaller if you wish or in a sheltered grow garden it'll grow slightly taller. But lovely at this time of year with that lovely spring colour. So these are the, the, they go green on top? These are the, this is all the young growth that has yeah. just started to grow in the last couple of weeks. It later, later turned to orange and then to a kind of a, a dark green colour. So it changes colour So you're getting double, spring. double for your trouble. Now if you give it a light trim in May, it will actually encourage the plant to produce another second series of red foliage or or peachy foliage. So that's a really nice plant, forest flame, easy to grow. The one I like in that series is one called Mountain Fire. And again, I'm holding it up to camera here. So Mountain Fire is a red-leafed version of the Pieris. Why I like it is the colour is stronger, but also it holds its foliage colour a lot longer. So the colour will stay well into Does it summer. flower as well? It flowers. It also bears the white flowers. This one will flower next year. It's a little bit young yet to flower. But you can see the amount of lovely red colour on it at the moment. Again, that red foliage changes to green, so it retains its foliage in the winter. But again, a great plant to add colour in pots, containers, um, out in, in, the, in the border, garden border soil. So if you're looking for colour, I suppose that's what I'm trying to get across. So what, what, just recap on the names of these babies here. So the first one was Pieris uh, Forest Flame. Forest so Flame. Forest yeah. Flame, as the name suggests, it's got that orange flame-like foliage colour. You'll see them in lots of gardens at the moment. They stand out because of that lovely red colour. But this is one called Mountain Fire, which I think is nicer. It's darker red. It holds its foliage colour longer. Or indeed, if you've got 
forest flame in your garden, put Pieris mountain fire beside it or somewhere close to it and it will continue the colour longer through the summer period for so you. So they both go to four to five feet? They will indeed, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and you can keep the smaller, you can keep them pruned back. They're a relatively small shrub, Viv, um, easy to grow. I've other little plants there, geraniums, the little blue campanula, which is lovely in pots as well. Yeah, I like or that's a beauty, isn't it? If you have a rockery to do, that's a great plant. That's the little bellflower campanula. It's just starting to flower now. It's lovely for cascading over walls, or in rockeries or borders. It's a perennial plant again, comes back year after year. Believe it or not, I have that growing on the top of a gate pillar, right on the top of a stone pillar in my garden. So it's growing in about four inches of soil, um, and it's there for years, and it's that kind of easy, trailing, no-nonsense plant again, um, and it comes back year after year. So it's a little blue-flowering plant called Campanula or Bellflower. It's perennial. It's just starting to flower now, and it'll again flower for the summer for you. So look, at the point is, if you want colour for Easter, this is the time colour at the moment, there's lots lots of great colour, lots of it that will actually continue right through the summer months if you plant it now. Well, there we are, just coming up to 24 minutes after 9 o'clock, and you are very welcome along. I just want to maybe have one or two little questions before we just move on for a second, if that's all right with you, Porik. Could you please tell me, where do you stock standard holly trees, and would they grow in Belmullet? Well, it depends. Hollies are very hardy, and they will tolerate coastal areas, but it just depends on the level of exposure you have in Belmullet. Um, Ideally, they should be in a, you know, not right out on the sea coast, where the salt and the wind is going to damage them severely. If it's a little bit more inland or more sheltered spot, then hollies will do really, really well. And they come in a whole range of different varieties, Viv. You know, from the common green holly to varieties like Golden King and Silver Queen with beautiful colours as well. So they make a great garden shrub. They make actually a great garden hedge as well. So if there's some shelter in the garden, then the holly will grow perfectly happy in Belmullet. And now is a great time to plant them in your garden. Make sure you, you get either a self-fertile variety. So there's one called J.C. Van Tal, which is self-fertile. It'll bear fruit on its own. Or go for Golden King and Silver Queen and mix the two together so that you get cross-pollination and you get the lovely berries in the autumn. Golden King is a beautiful variety. And believe it or not, it's called Golden King, but it's a female variety. So it should be Golden Queen. <laughs> there you no, go. Laurel plant. Can somebody, uh, can somebody plant a laurel hedge now? Yeah, it's, it's actually a great time of year for planting in general. The soil conditions are ideal at the moment. There's still plenty of moisture there. There's, the temperatures are really good for planting. So the answer is yes, you can. Look for the laurels, depending on the variety, uh, how vigorous you want. Some are quite vigorous varieties. Others are a little bit slow growing. My advice is what the listener could do actually is take a picture of the area that they're thinking of putting the laurel in bring it into the garden centre and we'll actually show them. We'll be able to superimpose a laurel hedge into that photograph, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, of course. So take a digital photograph on your on your phone, bring it into the garden centre and we'll be able to just draw in, literally on, on that picture, a, what the hedge is going to look like and advise you on the, the right variety of laurel hedge to put in. But it's a great time to plant. OK, brilliant. Um, move. Can you move heathers now? You can. Now, the, the, um, generally, I would say no, but with the cold temperatures in the last couple of weeks, growth has actually stopped. So be careful lifting them. Take as much root ball as possible. If they're young heather, say up to five years, they'll move no problem. If they're a little bit older than that, you're you're taking a risk with them. So up to five years, there's no problem lifting them. Dig them up, transplant them and away you go. Okay, somebody sprayed an area with Weed Free 360 last weekend. Weeds and grass have gone yellow. Great. Is it okay to plant a hedge or crystallinia this weekend or should I I wait? Maybe something... 
Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, look, the answer is yes. Once weed free 360 is a particular weed killer that if you apply it to weeds and grass, particularly if you're planting that area, it doesn't contaminate the soil. So once the weeds go yellow and the grass has gone yellow, that's the signal to plant. And the weather conditions are perfect at the moment. So get your Grisselinia hedge in now um, and, you know, put down some compost, put down some fertilizer and away you go. Now, it's a beautiful morning. The kids sure are off is. all week and I wanted, this listener wanted to sow some seeds or plant some plants with them on, on the holidays. What would be fun and interesting? Now, there you Well, go. I featured last, was it last week or the week before, I featured a series of seeds from the Sutton's range. There were a vegetable range of seeds that come, they're called seed tapes. And literally the seed of things like carrots and parsnips and radish and all the popular vegetables are impregnated into a special tape, a biodegradable tape. So when you take it out of the pack, it looks like a long, very long plaster. It's about three, six metres long, I think, from memory. And you simply just put the tape into the soil. So it's really easy for the kids. They're not fiddling about with small seeds. They're actually sowing the tape into the soil, covers with soil, and they'll germinate in a couple of weeks. Things like sunflower seed are great fiv. This is the time of year for sowing pumpkin seed. So if you want to grow pumpkins for the summer, for Halloween, this is the time of year to sow the seed. Start them off indoors, plant them out then in May, and you've got fantastic pumpkins by by October. Um, lots of bulbs available, things like dahlias and gladioli. Kids will get a great kick out of planting those bulbs in pots and containers and they'll come into flower this summer. They make lovely cut flowers that they can bring into the house. So there's lots of things like that that children can do. Okay, somebody has a beech hedge about eight years old that is in the way of a proposed extension. Okay. Can they transplant? You can move it now because beech doesn't come into leaf till the first week of May. So you've got about 10 days to move it. Again, you need to transplant it, lifting as much of the root ball as possible and make sure that you plant it at the same level as as it's growing at. So don't put it down a couple of inches deeper. Replant at the same level. But you've got another probably six to seven days to move that beech hedge. It won't break leaf until the end of April or the first week of May. Okay, just want to do so one do more. it this weekend. Yeah, I want to do one more question. Then I'd, we've a lot of questions there. I think you have them there with you on uh, the garden design. So okay. I want to go with that for a second or two. But just to find one for the moment, a black currant bush, uh, there's a white bud on it. Why is that? Well, it, the black, bur- black currants are just budding at the moment. So they, you're, you're getting That's the new reason. growth yeah. coming on the plant. So there's no leaf as such yet on, on black currants. So um, it's, it's just the new buds that are coming on the plant. That would be ter- perfectly normal. Black currants are hungry, so do feed them. Put on a dressing of something like Osmo Pro 6 to give them a bit of a boost. Yeah. This, this is the time to year to feed fruit trees in general, and particularly black currants. They're such a hungry plant. So um, no, that sounds perfectly normal. Again, if the listener wants to take a picture of it, if there's something concerning them, maybe on the stem or whatever, email it into us and I'll have a look at it or okay. bring it to the garden centre. Just on a different subject, good luck to the Mayo Minor Camogie team en route to Tubber County Clare uh, in their All-Ireland semi-final where they play Kerry. Oh, fantastic. And I know up there's some own. people from Baxter that are heading up to a winning streak. So Anne and all the gang, they're on the bus at the moment. The best of luck with that. And hopefully you'll come back with lots and lots of money. Now... Let's talk about garden design because we've had, I know you're, you've had a lot of questions from people wondering about different locations, what they should be doing, how do you do it, yep. how do you start off. So uh, let's let's go through sorry, sorry, some of the questions you, you got there. Well, a couple of questions in this morning, Viv. So the first listener is talking about a seaside location in, in particular, exposed seaside location, where to start and what to plant. And first to say that this is the time of year in particular. If you're thinking about changing something in the garden, taking on a new project, this is a really good time because by by tackling it now, you've got the whole spring and summer and autumn period for the plants to grow and settle in before winter. So particularly in exposed gardens and seaside areas or elevated sites, if you're thinking of putting in a new hedge or some shelter or some trees and shrubs, do it 
over the next couple of weeks because the plants have got the whole summer and autumn to settle in, acclimatise to the type of weather conditions that the garden uh, exposes them to before the winter sets in. So rather than planting in the autumn, plant in the spring, particularly in exposed gardens. The first thing we look at is exposure and particularly in seaside areas you've got the salt to contend with you've got the wind to contend with so you look at the the boundary areas the primary areas to create shelter to create privacy to start to shelter the garden both for yourself and for the for the house but also for the other plants that you're going to add in subsequent years so we look at the boundary areas putting in some shelter things like silver edge hedging Put it, put it in now, it'll start to grow over the, the next couple of years and give great shelter and privacy to the garden and help to reduce the salt element as well. But in terms of garden design, it really starts with considering what you want, to, in terms of your own lifestyle, how do you want the garden yeah. to fit your lifestyle? Are you prepared to do, uh, you know, what, how many hours a week of gardening do you want to do or do you want it relatively low maintenance? Do you want to cut down on the amount of maintenance um, that, that, that the garden is going to require. So think about your own lifestyle. Think about uh, you know where the location is. If it's an exposed garden, then things like privacy and shelter are, are critically important. Okay, and I suppose, that, I mean, there's, I suppose, say in the west of Ireland, there are so many different, uh, I suppose, uh, locations, as in the seaside location, sheltered locations. And there's also different sizes of houses and gardens. And I know I would have a, quite a small garden. And, uh, you know, with your help, I've actually just pati- done a patio out there, yeah. have a deck out there, have an area for barbecuing. And that suits me because I suppose the trend has gone over the last five years for people to actually use it as an extension, their garden as an extension of their lifestyle. Absolutely, and particularly in smaller gardens uh, where you've got, you know, grass isn't generally a... It's not used. It's more a nuisance than anything mm-hmm. else, and you're better off to get rid of so of, of grassed areas, particularly in small gardens, or else put in consider putting in artificial grass that is low maintenance. It looks so authentic now, uh, but it's, you know, it, it cuts down on that, that whole maintenance end of it and you're making the garden more user-friendly. So you're dead right in smaller areas and in, in small estates in particular. Consider putting in hard landscaping, so patio areas, decking, artificial grass, and with that then add some planting around the bases, around the edges, around the walls, nice climbers on walls, maybe a, a small hedge to give a little bit of privacy, a couple of trees strategically placed so it's blocking windows maybe of neighbouring houses as well. So you look at those areas in the garden. How do you make it more user-friendly, low maintenance, but also um, particular features in the garden where you may want to block a window, you may want to create some privacy or some shelter or particular areas that you want to sit out and you want to make them a little bit more private, strategically putting plants in key areas in the garden to to help that. I'm a big fan of water. Like anything I'd ever have would be I need a water feature in there as well because water is so tranquil. The sound of water is is fabulous. So that can be from a small self-contained fountain, something that you just fill with water, plug it in and it runs away itself, to an elaborate pond. And so there are many different water features and water is very soothing. It's the same water that circulates round and round so you don't necessarily have to have any plumbing or a tap close by. It's literally the same water out of the pond that circulates through a feature or through a statuette and it's just circled round and round. Um, so, so as long as you have a PowerPoint, you're able to use a water feature within a, in the garden. And now with solar technology, a lot of the fountains are actually solar driven. No way. Yeah, no way. yeah they have little, bat- you know, uh, um, 
the rechargeable batteries and the pickup on the, the solar light during the day and even the light today is enough to keep it going for several hours and again little LED lighting placed in the in the in the statuette again adds a little bit of extra light at night time so we're seeing a lot of that type of technology come into garden design and into particularly into water features so again another question here um, from a listener was in terms again similar to what you said a small town garden with with children the grass is a mess um, and they want to make it child friendly so you know th- there's a great example for where you've got traditional grass out of doors that really is, can only be used for a couple of months of the year. It can be quite messy, quite difficult to maintain it and keep it trimmed. There's an area that I would seriously consider putting under artificial grass. And take your tr- traditional trampoline and place it at soil level. So rather than having it up on, on its frame, you can get trampolines now that you can build into the actual grass level, which means that children can come out onto the patio, walk onto the artificial grass, step onto their trampoline and play away. Maybe have a small swing area or a, or a you know a little ch- child-friendly play area within the garden. And that makes the garden more usable. Because it's artificial grass, you can go out on it literally in your socks and there's no mess, there's no soil. It, make it makes it very child-friendly. So that would be a tip for that particular listener um, to consider maybe getting rid of the grass completely. The use of gravel as well is great. So mm. the plantics and gravel, again, helps to cut down on the maintenance of the garden. The last question we have in is a new build, coupled with a new house. Uh, they're the first, first year in there, and again, where to start and what features to focus on. So particularly for new builds, my advice is really to get a proper garden Uh, design plan created if you're starting with a new garden because even simple things like the shape of the driveway can add such an important feature to a garden traditionally we end up with a straight driveway from the main road to the front door Mm -hmm. the trouble with that is that you know when you come in the entrance or even when you're passing the uh, the house you can look right through to the straight up to the front door if that driveway is curved and shaped it starts to create new angles new shapes that can be planted, it creates privacy, it creates more interesting aspects in the garden. So even from that simple driveway is, you know, from that area right down to things like the shelter of the garden, thinking about the low maintenance aspects as well, thinking about the lifestyle and how you want to use the garden can be designed in on on paper. So somebody who's contemplating, uh, you know, this new build situation, so they need to be asking themselves some key questions. So yeah. That's the first thing, right? And then they need to go and see their garden designer. Is that correct? I would advise that, that that really you should consider doing a garden design because a garden design will live with you for seven to ten years. You you take it in bite-sized chunks. You have an overall master plan, a roadmap, as it were, that will bring you through a series of steps helping you to, to deliver the perfect garden. Because, you know, too often we see lots of mistakes being made. People just jump in there. They start sticking plants in here and there. And really there's no plan. Yeah. And you wouldn't start, you wouldn't build your house that way. Let's well, face it. You have some well, sort of a plan you know, in your head. You know these big evergreen trees. Conifers, they, the Leylandia, yeah. And they, they go all the way yeah, around yeah, and yeah. then they actually get all leggy and everything yeah. like that. And then it's a major operation to take it out. So I suppose you're right. Just do it right from the start. Particularly and so you, get yeah. the advice and get the help. And then you, once you get that, you can actually say, right, well, we have those there. They're going to stay there. Those, those plants are going to stay like that. And then we'll do this and we'll do that. And we'd like a jigsaw puzzle. And as you said, you can build it up. I think it's a great idea. And do it, design. do yeah. it over, do it, you know, take it in, in bite-sized chunks. So you're taking a project maybe per year and you start with the important things like where does the drive go in terms of the boundaries and the shelter? What sort of privacy and shelter do we need? You know, 
children or if we got pets in the in the family how are we going to consider those and how are we going to plan for that yeah. and really thinking it over an, a number of periods and they're always the key things of you know getting in the lawn getting in the, the privacy and shelter but also thinking long term thinking about five and seven years time from now how do we want the garden to look we have one other question actually just popped in there a retired couple Viv um, looking for a low maintenance garden um, easy planting but they also want something for the grandchildren so Here's that's a particularly interesting one where again you want low maintenance. So again, things like raised beds are easy to easy to maintain. They're easy access and um, perfect for for retired couples where you don't want the, the traditional garden ing. You want something simple, something at waist height that you're not bending. So raised beds are a great solution for that. Putting in the likes of the um, artificial grass again is is a very good idea. And again, putting in areas, maybe some wildlife areas for your children to watch and even for you to watch as a couple sitting down, having a cup of tea, watching the wildlife coming to feeders. Um, but making the garden low maintenance and putting in a lot more of the hard landscape escaping aspects like gravel, like patios, like decking. And you know this the stuff you get around, say, swings and stuff, it's like a rubbery type. Yes. Is, is, yeah. that, is that, that's different? That's very, it's, yeah, that's different from the artificial grass. And yes. that, that's a, it's a rubber matting, particularly if you have young children and they're swinging or whatever or slides. That can be put under those structures just to cushion and, and, and protect. But even the art, artificial grass has, it's a soft you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're coming down into a soft, clean structure as well. And particularly for children, it, it's, it's very, very useful. The other thing I should mention is that t- technology is helping us help customers. So the use of digital photographs, like that example of the question you had about the hedge. Yeah. Uh, if, if listeners take a picture of a particular area that they want to plant up, so I say it's a hedge or a new bed or they want to do a little makeover. If you simply take a picture of that area, we can now superimpose a solution onto that. So we can actually put the hedge in or put in some trees on that picture. So you're actually looking at your own garden and you're seeing the transformation of adding some trees or shrubs or widening a border area or whatever. So simple phone photographs, we can use those now to actually show people there you go. That's if you put a few trees in here. That's what it's going to look like. Now I know you've been doing this for a good while on yeah. the garden design side of things. And uh, like, if you had any customers come in with weird requests or any good stories, <laughs> you can tell us. As well, well, uh, well um, I have to be careful here with in no terms names, of clients. No names. No, no, names. Names. no names. I had a very interesting couple, and uh, recently who. Um, one of the 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 uh, lady is originally from New Zealand. And so in terms of the garden design, what she wanted in the garden was using the garden as part of their lifestyle. So there was things like thinking about outdoor cooking, thinking about a hot tub in the garden of all a things. Hot tub a in hot the tub in the garden. Um, but think, you're thinking about using the garden to entertain. And, uh, you know, and I suppose the point she was making to me was that we have a very nice climate here in Ireland. Yes, it does rain, but you can put a, a covered structure over the cooking area to make it all weather. But we've had, we don't actually suffer from severe cold weather or, you know, it's a very temperate climate and Irish people don't use their garden as much as we should be using it. And, and really she got me thinking about, um, you know, that whole aspect of using the garden as part of your lifestyle the functionality of the garden, how you use your garden, how your children use it, rather than it just being aesthetically pleasing, that you can look out and it's nice. But how often do we actually go out and use our garden? So it's using hard landscaping, patio areas, decking, um, outdoor cooking areas that are covered and heated so that you you actually will use them rather than the barbecue just stuck outside. Um, 
outside bar was mentioned. What? <laughs> so, but that was, I thought it was very interesting. The, and the it was, hot tub sounds really good, you know that? It was a great project to work on. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it really got us thinking about, well, how now can we use, how do you, should you use your garden for, for, as part of your lifestyle? So confirmations, for example, people should be using their gardens to entertain family and friends, but they need to do that. They need to set themselves up in a way that they've got the hard surface areas, they've got some covered space, maybe some outdoor heating. You know, there's the radiant heat, yeah, heaters yeah, now yeah. that are fantastic. So, you know, even even when we had the smoking ban, it's got the pubs to think about using the space out of outside um, and creating little environments that people could use out, out, out of doors. So that's, it's really thinking about areas like that that... How do you use your garden? How can you make it more user-friendly? We have to recap on a couple of things before yeah. we go to the questions because somebody was on about your plant there. Your yeah, plant. My, my plant, the, they'll probably call it now the grave plant. This yeah. is the plant that I mentioned that I planted on, on an a grave last year. It's a plant called Gazinia. I'm going to show it to camera again. Now, I better spell it. It's Gazinia, G-A-Z-I-N-A. Gazinia. Gazinia. So it's uh, very easy to grow. Daisy-like flower, orange, really apricot orange flower. I'm holding it up to camera at the moment so people can see it. Low, hardy, easy to grow, flowers the whole summer. Okay. What more can I say? Love Gazinia. It. Okay, Gazinia. Gazinia. The Look gra- for that. The, the, it's gra- gra- the grave plant. It's Yeah, we call it that. But it's great on rockeries or borders or it's great in seaside areas. It's just one of those. It's a plant I really like. Okay, the next thing we have to recap on is the lawn. Lots of questions in, yeah, so um, So I mustn't be clear the first time. But anyway, okay, so if you're tackling your lawn this weekend, first thing to do is obviously to mow the grass. Now, I do advise putting the grass box on, taking the first clipping off, put that on your compost heap. Second step, and you can do it on exactly the same day, is to get the zero treatment on. That's the liquid lawn treatment. You mix it with water in a sprayer or washing can, put it onto the entire area. And the third thing is to put on a dressing of Osmo lawn feed. So that'll green the grass without forcing growth. So it'll give it a nice green colour without pushing on the growth. And they're the simple three steps to do. If you need to reseed areas, then get a little bit of green velvet lawn seed, mix it with compost or or moss peat and brush it into the areas. Get out the airbrush and just brush it in. And the level on the lawnmower? Well, you'd, you'd want to be cutting it now, Viv, about inch, inch and a half, you know, so you're coming down to kind of the middle size blade yeah. on your mower. As we go into May, then you can drop it down one more. Yeah. But about middle size. You're, you're not you're not scalping it back because it's going to be yellow. You're just making it level. You're just your, topping yeah. it up, yeah. taking the top off it, um, neaten it up and then put on the zero and put on your Osmo and you're good to go. The lawn should be in good condition. Okay, and then we have another question about moss. So just go through that quickly again, if you don't mind. Uh, by c- controlling the moss. Yeah. Well, again, what I would advise is put on the liquid zero. If it's a lawn, if it's a lawn situation, mix it in water in a spray machine. One part zero to ten parts water, and um, get it on this weekend. It works overnight, Viv. Okay. Please help. Confirmation next weekend. Okay. And I need some flowers to bloom over Easter to add a bit of colour to the outside of our home. What's good and well, Easter is next weekend, isn't it? Yeah. So many of the plants that I mentioned, I would go for the Senecii. I think they're brilliant. Look at that for colour. Yeah. Isn't that absolutely fabulous? Um, they come in a whole range of different colours. They're in flower at the moment. You can get them quite advanced like this one or the other one I showed you is tight in bud. So um, literally, if you want the colour for next weekend, go for, for the Senecii. They're absolutely brilliant. They come in a whole range of colour. One plant will fill a medium-sized pot, put two or three in if it's a large-sized pot. You can plant them out in the border as well. But I think they're smashing. They're, they're, there's a fantastic show of colour and I love mixing it with this Uriops mm. I'm going to put the two together there just Lovely. to show the people on camera 
see the the bright yellow contrasting against that navy blue the two colours go really well together so and both will flower for the whole summer so they'll be in flower for Easter but they'll flower right through to the end of the summer as well now a listener has a little pot of shamrock in the window when can right. I put it out and I, I put in a bigger or should I put in a bigger pot yeah well I've actually a pot of shamrock myself on the window and I was just um, showing showing her indoors the it was in flower she must be obeyed she, exactly yeah the uh, yellow shamrock. So the yellow flowers were just appearing on the plant and were what, uh, probably a month on from St. Bar- three weeks on from St. Patrick's Day. Shamrock is a perennial plant. You can plant it out of doors. So cut it back. I would advise giving it a trim now. Actually take the scissors to it, trim it back, repot it into a bigger pot and plant it out of doors. Okay, what potato type is resistant against blight? I want to grow some without the need to spray. Is there anything... There are. And the variety I would recommend is a great Irish variety called Satanta. It's a red-skinned variety, great for eating, lovely dry flowery potatoes. So what puts a Satanta, it's a great one for growing um, organically or without the use of sprays. Okay, didn't get around to cutting back my fruit trees yet and notice some new buds on the stems. Is it too late to No, prune? you can cut them back. Uh, particularly apple trees can be cut back now. Even though there's new buds and, and sm- slight bit of growth starting, do prune them back. And feeding them? Feed them with a high potash feed viz. So a rose fertiliser would be ideal um, or the Osmo Pro 6 fertiliser would be perfect on them as well. Good handful around the base of them. This one for you, that's a good question. I spread a lawn treatment on my, my lawn last time. We had a couple of fine days about three weeks ago. Great. There was frost uh, subsequently, uh, but over the following two nights, what will I have to do it all over again? No. I was supposed to kill the moss and weeds and fertilise the lawn. Mary... Well, yeah, it's probably a three-in-one feed to put on. No, the frost will have no effect on it, Mary. You know, the growth has been slow in the last 10 days. It's been quite chilly the last week or 10 days. So you're, you won't be seeing the growth that we, you know, that we would traditionally get at the early part of April. So just, you'll find this weekend the lawns start to green up. The frost will have no effect on it, I suppose, what okay. I'm saying. You don't uh, need to redo it. This listener has a flat area of soil at the back of the house, out of the way. Would love to some wildflowers, oh, yeah. trees and some bee-friendly plants. Suggestions for Great time of year to do it. Seconds, so okay, and, and wildflowers traditionally grow in quite impoverished soils, so they'll do very well in this area. Literally just get yourself some lawn seed or uh, some wildflower seed, sprinkle it across the area. It'll germinate over the next couple of weeks and many of the fla- flowers will actually come into flower this year. Some will flower the following year. Again, a great time to plant fruit trees in general. Apples, pears, plums, they can all be planted on that area and the wildflowers underneath them will look really well. Okay, hydrangea, can you prune it now and uh, can I cut off last year's blooms? And that's what you do. When you're pruning hydrangeas, you, ah. f- you take last year's blooms, follow them down to the near ground level and cut them out. And once you prune it, feed it as well. So the feeding or the pruning of hydrangea should be done now. Roses should be done if they haven't been done yet. Cut them back now and feed them. Okay, is it too late to move a pear tree? Pears are in flower at the moment. I would leave it. I'd leave it till the autumn. Leave it till October, November, and redo it then. So it's too late yeah, for them. It is. Uh, another listener has a three-month-old puppy that keeps digging at the flowers. Is there anything I can spray that would stop her? Well, you you can get the little critter. Go on. Have you an answer? <laughs> no, can't no, say no. That. Can't say uh, that. But you can get the little uh, scent-off uh, treatments. So you again go into your local garden centre or pet store, and they'll have these scent-off crystals that you p- can put on the area, and that'll help the smell of it, the dislike, and it'll move them away from it. Okay, lovely stuff. Let's go on then. It's safe now to transplant monkey puzzle trees now. They've been grown from seeds in pots. They're three years old now. Well, if they're in pots, perfect. Great time to plant them. Now, remember with monkey puzzle, it's a very, very large tree. It'll grow, you know, it grows into a Oh, 50 feet or foot, foot or really? 60 foot tree. So be careful where you plant it. Um, but yeah, if they're in pots, you can plant them out of doors and grow them on and they'll be perfectly fine. Great time to do it. Another listener has a plum tree, but it only fruits occasionally. It's on a windy site with apple and pear trees, which do well. 
Is it too? Uh, well, plums you see flower early, so they normally you know they're they're in flower at the moment, and uh, if you get a lot of wind you won't get the the bees and the insects to come in and pollinate the trees. So a lot will depend on the type of spring we're getting. Now, it's perfect weather at the moment. The bees will be knocking about today. Um, so you may get a good crop this year. Again, give it a feed of a high potash feed, a rose fertiliser, that will help it. OK, can you ask, Porig, is a blueberry plant self-pollinating? Some varieties are. There's a variety called blueberry darrow, which is a self-pollinating uh, self variety. Yes. Um, so look for that one. That's really good if you only want to grow one variety. My advice really is if you're growing blueberries, grow several different varieties so they're cross-pollinating and also you'll get fruit at different times of the year as well. It'll extend the fruiting period. They do very well in pots and containers um, and a good time to plant them actually. If you've got blueberries in the garden, this is the time to feed them as well and feed them with an ericaceous feed, uh, uh, a food, food that we normally use for rhododendrons and azaleas. Blueberries love that. So get that on now. They'll be coming into flower very soon. Okay, this one now, uh, this is with regard to artificial grass. Uh, can it be put on block paving directly? What about drainage? Would crawling insects collect under it as, as I detest them? That's, right. that's my list. Well, it's got the, the artificial grass yeah. has a rubber matting on it anyway, quite yeah. a thick rubber matting. So it can be put down directly onto decking or onto hard surface areas. I mean, naturally enough, you're going to get the creepy crawlies are there anyway. So they're under your paving slabs and, and so on. And look at if, if they're problematic, there are treatments that can be used uh, for the, the creeping insects. But look at it's not going to um, it's not going to attract, but you can put it directly down onto the paving. and It'll be perfectly fine. This one here, and I'm not too sure about this, uh, just in connection with artificial lawn, can it be taken out when our family take over the house? Absolutely, and that's that's a great question. And, you know, people will often put it down for a period when the kids are young, say. You know, and once they get to teenage level, you might decide to put in a patio area, a hard surface area, or re-establish the lawn in that area. So artificial grass can be put down temporarily for five, six, seven, eight years then take it up, re-sow the lawn again. And that's all about changing. The garden should change as, as your lifestyle changes. So as your children grow up, become teenagers and want to entertain their, their friends, then you should be reconsidering the area of the garden and, and redoing it at that stage. And that's, that's a great question. That's, that's what I'd like to see people doing, actually making the garden part of their lifestyle and changing it as your lifestyle. So as you get into retirement, Viv, making the garden easier to maintain, I raise like the, beds. I still like the hot tub. Uh, <laughs> I like the hot tub. Now, somebody's got a laurel hedge planted four mm. years ago. It's not growing too well. It's okay, it needs feeding. It needs uh, feeding. Can, what, what, yeah, that's the question. Yeah, get, a, get, get, some, uh, get yourself some uh, Osmo Pro 6 fertiliser. It's a tree and shrub feed. Sprinkle it around the base of, of the plant and that'll encourage it back into growth again. Make sure there's no grass or weeds at the base of the laurel as well because that's only competing for growth and for nutrition. So get rid of that, put on your feed and away it goes. We had a question about copper beech earlier but another one here, uh, somebody's copper beech hedge has gone very tall. Right. Can they prune it now? Yes, they can. And, you know, again, copper beech won't break leaf for another three weeks so get out with your second or your clippers and cut it back even nice even height and again give it a feed as well beech and hedging plants in general all benefit from addressing a fertiliser now uh, What would kill ivy? 20 metres square on the ground Ivy use one of the brushwood killers I would use SBK which is a very it's a weed killer that's ideal for ivy so SBK you simply mix it with water put it through your sprayer spray it onto the ivy and it'll be dead in 7 to 10 days OK we have to finish but okay. uh, just a quick, maybe two points in 20 seconds about what people should be doing, just to recap. Well, again, what I would do, Viv, in particular this weekend is obviously plant up containers, um, add some colour to your garden. This is the time of year, really. There's lots of plants just coming into flower now. So 
get the, get them planted. Think about summer colour as well. There's lots of nice bulbs that can be planted um, in April. Things like dahlias, gladioli, begonias, they can all be planted now and make a start in your hanging baskets. Okay, lovely weekend. stuff. That's it. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Absolute Love pleasure it. to do the show with you today. Uh, that's about it. Don't forget Michael Neary's on the way up very shortly with his uh, country show. Uh, from all of us here on The Breakfast Show and The Garden Show, do take care, mind yourselves, and we'll talk to you all again very soon. Thank you.